turn to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. We're going to be in 2 Peter 1. And similar to what we did last year, I want to, I want to kind of do a recap. I want to allow us to have a moment to evaluate. I want to, uh, every year, uh, we kind of have the opportunity to uh, evaluate how we did. Evaluate how the year went. Evaluate things that are truly important to us. Uh, it happens, it happens this time of year. We're going to look back at probably some resolutions that we made early on in 2013 that lasted till about the midway point of January. And some, some of us, may, we may have followed through on some of those resolutions. Some of the resolutions, maybe they didn't last very long. Some did, but how'd you do? What, what did you do this past year? What did you do that will have eternal significance in this past year? What did you do that will have eternal value in this past year? Was it a good year? Was it a bad year? Was it a ho-hum year? How was it? And that's what I want to do today. I, I, I want us to look back and using the scripture, but I want us to, to prompt us to look back. Can, when you look back on 2013, do you see God using you? Do you see God using you to have impacted lives of those around you? Is there anyone in the kingdom because of you? Questions you can ask. Because see, God in His grace, He just gave us 365 more days to serve Him, to glorify Him, to make much of Him. He offered himself to you every day for 365 years and basically said, here I am. Come and, come and take of me. Come and partake of me. Come and learn of me. I'm, I'm here for 365 days. Here I am. Come know me. The question is, do you? The question is, did you? Are you more spiritually mature today than when you started the year? Good question. See, because a lot of times our goals and our thoughts revolve around material things, earthly things, things that are just going to pass away. But did we this year, did we build on the rock? Or did we build on sinking sand? Did we, did we grab hold of the precious promises that God has offered us? Or did we grab hold of the things of the world that are fleeting and are going to pass away? And the challenge for every single one of us every day and every year is this. Not to coast. Not to just rest. Not to think that we've arrived. And, and that's true for your personal life. That's true for your, your work life. That's true in your family. That's true with your kids. The challenge for all of us is to continually grow. It's to keep growing. And, and if we're going to keep growing, we have to make a commitment to God's Word. It's going to come down to a constant study of God's Word. It's a relationship. We have a relationship with the one true God. How are we doing with that? How are we doing? So I want to, similar to what we did last year, and it, and it may turn into a, to a, a, a regular thing, Peter, uh, Paul, Paul says many times in, in, in his letters, it's no problem to remind you. He, he took them back to the basics. Time and time again, he would take them back to the basics, take them back to the baseline, get them recalibrated. And that's kind of what I want to do today. 
And, and here, here in the, this second letter of Peter, Peter is the context, before we read it, I want you to understand the context in which he writes this letter. Peter is facing his impending death. What we read here is sort of like his last will and testament. You know, some of you uh, lost loved ones this past year. Some of you, I know you lost loved ones this week. Peter literally, it would be as if he had you by his bedside and he's saying, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm departing. Here's what matters. Make sure you know what matters. Peter has been given uh, the gift of the, the word of God, the revelation of God, and, and he's passing that on. And he's making sure that not only the, the original recipients of this letter, but you and I, he's making sure of this thing, that we build our life on the sure foundation of God's word and truth. He, he, it, 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 we do this with our kids, and you do it with your kids. You don't want your kids to fall in the trap of building their life on sand, building their life on things that don't last. It's hard this time of year. Hey, don't love things, but by the way, here's a ton of things. You know, Merry Christmas. But it's not about things, but oh, by the way, there's more toys than can fit under the tree. I mean, we went home, and I told Karen from now on, when we go home to Tallahassee, just we need to both drive our vehicles so we can bring all the stuff back. You know, I told our kids, y'all aren't open, don't open any of these things until you go in your rooms today, this afternoon, and you need to take about 25 things out of your room. And put them in a bag and we're going to give them away before we ever take anything out of these bags and take them into your room. It's crazy. And, and Peter is writing, he, the battle here is over truth. The battle in your life is over truth. The false teachers that Peter is dealing with in his day, it's the same, it's the same mantra that they're saying today. They, they, they were encouraging the people of Peter's day to live according to your senses. To, to live according to what feels good. To live according to what, to what works. To, to live according to whatever achieves the means you necessary. Hey, do it. To, to, to just, if you feel like it, do it. If, if it. if it makes sense, do it. That, that the individual... That the individual had all the authority. Hey, I, I had this experience. Oh, well, if you had the experience, who am I to say anything to it then? That, that's, that's today. That's the world we live in today. That, that's the Christian lives that many of us are living today. And, and Peter is presenting an alternative. He's saying, no, you don't, you don't live like that, believer. We live according to truth. We live according to revelation. We live according to the revealed, perfect word of God. We, we don't live according to reason. We don't live according to what feels good. We don't, we don't play by the same set of rules. We don't make our decisions based on the same criteria. We don't evaluate a year of our lives based on the same criteria that the world uses. That's what he's saying. That's what he would be saying today. When you look back over this past year, how'd you do? And by the way, how'd you do in relation to God's word and God's criteria, not the world's criteria? And this letter is very future-oriented. 
Paul is, Peter, I meant, is encouraging his readers. If you don't hear anything else, what he's encouraging them is always pursue spiritual growth. Never stop. Literally, you have a man here. The picture would be on his bedside and he's gathered his family around. And the one thing he wants them to hear is this. Always pursue spiritual growth. It's interesting. If you look at Paul's life, at the end of Paul's life, he sends, I believe it's Titus back, and you know what he says? He says, go get the parchments. Go get the books. At the end of his life, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to keep reading. He wanted to keep studying. He wanted to keep going back to God's Word. And you're going to see time and time again in this passage, he's saying true knowledge, true knowledge. Stand firm. And so I ask you, as, as we read this, as we study this, I want you to ask yourself, how'd you do in 2013? How you, are you, are, do you have a surer, do you have a more grounded, certain knowledge of God's Word, a foundation that you're building your life on today, more so than you did then? Or, or did you just kind of tread water? Some of us may say we digressed. What, let's evaluate. Let's be honest and let's hold it up to God's Word and, and let's make some honest assessments and Lord willing... Maybe, maybe forgiveness, maybe the application of this is you, you go home today and you say, Lord, forgive me for wasting a year. That might be the application. For some of us, we may go home and say, hey, I want to continue the disciplines that, I, that by the grace of God were put forth in my life in 2013. I want to continue those because I saw fruit. I saw God using me. That may be the application. Whatever, whatever it is, let's make an honest, honest assessment. So let's read 2 Peter 1, and, and let's assess ourselves as Peter would have us assess ourselves, as the Lord would have. He says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2, 2 Peter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our Jesus, of, and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities, listen to the verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, notice he didn't say they're yours and status are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Lord, as we study this word, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us and apply it to each of our own lives individually. That we would be honest in assessing 2013 according to the word of God and according to spiritual 
things, not fleshly, earthly things that are passing away. Lord, that we would repent where repentance is needed. Lord, that we would be encouraged where encouragement is needed. Lord, that we would have perseverance where perseverance is needed. And Lord, by your grace, as long as we are able to walk here on this earth, that we would be growing and increasing in our knowledge and our likeness of you. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, first of all, Peter. Peter says basically the way it is. Verses 1 through 4, he's telling them the way it is. And in verse one through, verses 1 through 4, Peter is giving his authority for saying what he's saying. He, he's an apostle. He's a bondservant. He's an apostle. The, the role of an apostle was a huge role. Our salvation is connected to the obedience of the apostles. God sent Jesus Christ into this world and called him the Word. Jesus Christ gave the apostles his Word. That's what we call the Bible. The apostles wrote down that word, and what we have is the Bible. Their obedience was tremendous. Tremendous. It's by their words that we come to faith, that, that we have Christ's words communicated to us that we can study, that we can read, that we can go to. Their doctrine that the Lord Jesus Christ gave them has established the truth that we live by. The future kingdom that, that God is going to inaugurate, we learn of it through the apostles' words. It was a tremendous role. We, we literally, to those who have received a faith as the same, of the same kind as ours, we are the Gentiles to which this word was taken. That's us. Hugely important. You, you can go to John, John 17, we won't, but the high priestly prayer. And Jesus says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, talking about the apostles, but for those who believe in me through their word. We, we believe through the word of the apostles. Hugely important. We, we have received revelation, the true word of God, through the obedience of the apostles. And their words, he says, they were eyewitness accounts. Their words are literally the content of our faith. Their eyewitness accounts, their recording of Jesus' works, His words, it's the content of our faith. You know, people say all the time, hey, I, I'm a man of faith, I'm a woman of faith. Well, the question becomes of what? Faith in what? We have faith in God's word. The apostles and their obedience, they recorded the word and thus we believe. You can go over to verse 20 of this same chapter, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Peter could write with great authority as an apostle. His words were to be followed. They were eyewitness accounts. This was not made up. It was eyewitness accounts, and they spoke as they were moved by God Himself. And so Paul, Peter establishes his authority. And, and not only that, look at two. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is teaching that how, how grace and how peace are multiplied, how they overflow in your life, how they bubble up through all the trials, through the circumstances. Some of you may look back in 2013 and say it was a, a wreck. Some of you look back at this last week. I, I know, I've been praying for you and say it's a wreck. You know how grace and peace are multiplied to you? Through a knowledge of God and Jesus. 
through a knowledge of who He is, through a knowledge of the promises He's given, through a knowledge of the fact that He's with you, through a knowledge of His presence. How you walked through this past year because of a knowledge of God, through His promises, through His presence. And that all comes from God's Word. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Some of us, why we struggled so mightily is because we don't know enough of the Word to understand God's promises. The promises are there. They're there to be laid hold of. We have to lay hold of them by faith. We have to study. We have to, we have to glean them, if you will. We have, to, we have to read this Word. We have to memorize this Word so that when troubles come, the Holy Spirit, as in John 14, brings to mind those promises, brings to mind. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many as are the promises of God, in Him they are yes. You struggle? Guess what? God has a promise. But, but this isn't just some, you don't just come to Christ and automatically have the, the Bible, you know, booted to your hard drive. You've got to study it. You've got to work at it. And, and it's through those promises that God encourages us, and through the Word of God, God encourages us to keep on. Keep on. And if we don't know this Word, grace and peace will not be multiplied to you. It's there. And Peter says it's a true knowledge. That word literally is intimacy. It is, the, it is the intimacy between a husband and a wife. It's not just I know of, it's an intimacy. That's a true knowledge. Grace and peace are byproducts of intimacy with Christ. That's what he's saying. Grace and peace are byproducts of an intimate relationship with Christ. Paul said that over and over in Philippians 3. He says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. There was an intimacy born between Paul and Christ through even sufferings. Why? Because he knew Him. He knew Him. John 17.3 says, This is eternal life, that you may know the one true God in Jesus Christ whom He sent. There is a definition there in John 17.3 of eternal life. Eternal life is not something that begins after you die. Eternal life is something that begins the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Why? Because you now can know God. God has availed Himself to you. He, he has allowed Himself to be known. And He says, this is eternal life, that you may know the one true God. Knowing God is our life. Having that intimate relationship, that is eternal life. Being known and knowing the one true God. And you'll see it on your handout. Eternal life has more to do with quality than it does quantity. It's being known and knowing the one true God. That's eternal life. To be able to say, that's my Father. The King of kings, Lord of lords. I know Him. I have a relationship with Him. That's eternal life. That, that no matter what comes, He's for me, not, not against me. No matter what comes, I know that greater is He that is in me that is in the world. Those are promises. You know, we, we've all seen it. I grew up as an, as an only child, and some of you probably say, well, that explains a lot. But uh, some of you grow up with, I, I remember uh, across the street from me, and when we went up to Tallahassee this past week, the, the hearts, they came over. They lived across the street from us, and there were three boys and, and a girl. And uh, I remember Jason was the oldest, and I remember Lance and Tanner. When Jason was around, they were bad. They, 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 they acted bold when Big Brother was around. 
When Big Brother wasn't around, and they're on their, they're on their own, it's a different story. Why? The only thing that changed was the presence of their big brother. They knew that what happened, hey, my big brother has my back. And we laughed about that. Even while they, they were, came over to my parents' house and visited, and we, we were thinking about memories and, and stories and all that. But, but eternal life is saying, you know what? No matter what happens to me, God has my back. No matter what happens to me, he that is in me is greater than the world. No matter what happens to me, God is for me, not against me. No matter what happens to me, it won't separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's a relationship. That's intimacy. And the, 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 what Peter is addressing is that intimacy. And there are two sides. There are two sides of this intimacy. The, the downside and the upside. The downside is this. The closer that I get to the Lord the more wretched I realize I am. That's the downside. The closer I get to the Lord, the more I grow in the Lord, I, the, more, the more I see Jesus, the closer I get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the dirtier I, know, I realize I am. The more sin I realize that I need to get rid of. The more I read this word, the more I study this word, I realize that there are attitudes in me, there are thoughts in me, there are, there are all kinds of stuff in me that don't line up with the word. But that's the process of sanctification, and that's why I pursue the Lord, because I'm growing. Romans 8 talks about that as well, that, that, that it is a process that God is conforming us, the process of conforming us into His image. But the positive side is this. The more I grow in my knowledge and intimacy with the Lord, the more I, the more I read this Word and study this Word, the more I see that God wants me in His kingdom even more than I want it. God wants me in His kingdom and intimacy with me more than even I realize it or I want it. And how do I know this? Because He sent His Son. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would not perish but have everlasting life. If you ever, believer, non-believer alike, if you ever wonder whether God loves you, whether He's pursuing a relationship with you, look to the cross. It's forever a reminder. God has pursued you. He didn't sit back and wait. He initiated it. He pursued you. And, and some of you, like I said, even this week have lost loved ones. Some of you within 2013 lost loved ones. What would you give to have one more moment with them? What would you give to have one more conversation with them? You valued them. You spent time with them. You loved them. Now translate that, though, to walking with the Lord. Do, do we want to spend some time with the Lord the same way? And, and it goes back to valuing. And Peter is saying, you have, God has availed Himself. He has pursued you. He has, uh, he has allowed Himself to be known. And through that knowledge, grace and peace are multiplied. Verse 3, he says, Seeing that His divine power has granted to us, this is just how, this is how gracious He is seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Literally everything we need to grow and live and function as a believer has been given to us. Everything. Everything we needed has been given to us. Everything. You can look at 1 Corinthians 3, where he, he talks about that by this time you should have been more mature because you've neglected God's Word. You can look at Ephesians 
Everything we need has been given to us in order to grow and to function and mature as believers. And it's our responsibility how we deal with that. God's Word is that nourishment. God has given the Word that is sufficient. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. Some of your translations say adequate. The word there, adequate, literally means thoroughly equipped. It doesn't mean you're just ho-hum. Everything you need. But, but we have to grow from a steady diet of God's Word, just like a little baby. How does a baby grow? Milk. Milk. Same way we grow. The milk of the Word. Oh, Time and time again in Scripture, you see, the, the milk that we grow from is the Word. It's the Word. If you starve a baby of milk, the baby dies. You starve a Christian of milk, we're, we're not productive. We can't function. We don't serve the purpose that God intended. We must grow from a steady diet of, of God's Word, a true knowledge of God's Word. Look at Philippians 1, 9 and 10. Paul writes this, and, I, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more, look, in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ. What's he say? A true knowledge, a real knowledge. Look at Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. He says the same thing. He says, For this reason also... Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Listen, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It all goes back to God's Word. That's what buttresses us in times of trial, in times of trouble, in times of struggle, when things aren't going the way we think they should, when it seems Satan is quote-unquote winning, you go back to God's Word. It all goes back to God's Word. And, and Peter says, everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us, but it comes through a true knowledge of God's Word. Verse 4, for by these things He has granted to us his, mag his precious and magnificent promises, look, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Everything we need has been given to us. And, and, and literally, P Paul, I mean, Peter is reminding them that they've been rescued. They've been rescued, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. He, God has rescued us, and, and, and I fear if you're like me, sometimes we, oh, we undervalue or underestimate our sinfulness and overestimate our righteousness without Christ, and, and we really don't, to, to think that God rescued us may be a little strong. But that's not what, it's not what Peter says. He rescued us. And, and he says, he, what did he rescue from? from? From the corruption that is in the world by lust. From the world's system. You don't have to live by the world's system. You don't have to live in this covetous system. You don't have to live by the world's standards and rules. If it, feel good, if it feels good, do it. 
If I come out on top, do it. If the ends justify the means, do it. That's the world system. That's not God's system. Completely opposite. And that's what Peter is saying. You don't have to live like that. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. You don't have to live that way any longer. But we have to make the choice. And so I, I ask you, based on, based on that, how it is, Peter is explaining how it is, and ha- that we must constantly make the choice. Am I going to live by the reasoning of this world, or am I going to live by the truth and the revelation of God's Word? Am I going to live according to the world's standards, and am I going to judge myself according to the world's standards, or am I going to judge myself according to God's standards? And number one, how, how are you doing who are you judging by? What are you judging by? But number two, how'd you do in 2013? How'd you do? Did you grow in a knowledge of God's Word? Did you, did you take hold of the magnificent and precious promises that, have, that God offered to us? Did, 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 when, when trials came, did, did, did you become spiritually schizophrenic and you were all over the board? Or, or did you anchor down to the Word of God and did you stay strong? Ask yourself, how'd you do? Would you qualify 2013 as a, as, a, as a life that was growing in the revelation of God's Word? When you look back at 2012 this time to 2013 this time... Do you know more of God's Word? Do you know the same of God's Word? Or do you know less of God's Word? Because we forget. Our tendency is to forget. How'd you do? How'd you do this year? But, but, not, only, but not only the way it is, how it looks. And Peter is, is kind here under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to help us understand. This is how, these are some... Some metrics, if you will. This is how it looks. If you want to know how to judge yourself, if you want to know some things to look for, here's, how, here's what you can look for. And, and this is very much the application. Would you look back at your life and say that, that you were diligent? That, that in your faith there was moral excellence? That in your moral excellence there was knowledge? How about self-control? In your knowledge, self-control? In your self-control, perseverance. Can you say that you persevered? In your perseverance, godliness. In your godliness, brotherly kindness. In, in the midst of all your trials, in the midst of everything, were you kind to one another? In your brotherly kindness, love. Would you say that 2013 was categorized by a, by a love for the brethren? Categorized by a love for others? These are the things that that we can tell if we grew in the Lord in 2013. These attributes ought to be increasing in our lives. And and these these attributes really build on one another. They're they're building blocks. And and, and we don't don't just simply do things because it's the moral thing to do. We do it because we want to glorify Christ. And that's what Peter is saying. And literally, Peter is saying, you act on the character that is in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You act on that character. Evangelism, mercy, loving your neighbor, loving your spouse, raising your children, pointing them to God. You're acting. It has to be on Christ. It has to be about Christ. And joy for the Christian is aligning our lives with Christ. Is your life aligned more with Christ today than it was a year ago? 
Your viewpoints, your attitudes, your thoughts, your convictions, your morals, are they more aligned with Christ today than they were a year ago? Do you see that transition from a year ago to today where Christ has conformed you more and more to His Word? And we do that through aligning our lives with God's Word. And again, these are building blocks. It starts with faith. It starts with faith. You must receive Christ as your Savior. That's where it all starts. You repent of your sinfulness. You receive Christ's righteousness instead. And you go from there. You go to John 3. What does he tell Nicodemus? You must be born again. That's faith. A child does not grow until he is first born. That's what Peter is saying. So are these characteristics in your life? When you look back at 2013, do you see these characteristics? That's the question. Would you say you were diligent when it comes to the things of the Lord? Was church just a, well, if I feel like it, I'll go? Wednesday night, if I feel like it, I'll go? As long as I don't have anything else going on? What about moral excellence? What, what about a knowledge of God's Word, self-control? You know, I, I thought about it the other day. I don't think I'm any more patient with bad drivers today. It's bad. I have no patience for bad drivers. When the light is green, go. <laughs> Yield does not mean stop. You know, there's a reason you got two miles in this lane. Get up to speed. Let's go. But I, and I, I say, Lord, I need patience. And that's what he says. That's why I put you behind that bad driver, to give you patience. Uh, but are, would you say that these things are more prevalent in your life today than they were a year ago? And again, you're talking to a guy who I've got to sit and think about this for weeks at a time. You guys are getting it now. I've, that's why as I'm driving, like, I, and I, my kids are in the back seat learning. Now you hear Bradley, go. I'm like, where do you get that from? Karen's like, you. You know, he's a little you. But, but how'd you do? How'd you do? Do you look more like Christ today than when the year began? Are these characteristics more prevalent in your life today than when the year began? I hope they are. Not only, not only, not only how it looks and the, the why, but the what. The what. The what it produces. The what it produces. Why, why would I do this? Why does it matter? Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think the, great, the greatest tragedy, what we have to remember is that every single one of us have two choices. Every believer has two choices. To, to, number one is to live our life based on the revelation that we received according to the apostles. That would be God's word. To build our lives by faith around this word. That's the first option. Or to negate it. To ignore it. Two options. And, and, and it's your choice. But, but, but it'll show. Trust me, it'll show. 
Because again, he says, if these are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. Look at the fruit of your life. Is there fruit? Because that tells me whether the tree is good or not. You know, I drive up and down around this city. There's a lot of citrus trees getting uprooted and burned. Why? Because they weren't producing fruit. They were useless. They weren't serving their purpose. And Peter is saying, serve your purpose. My purpose for the Lord saving me and leaving me here on this earth is to bear fruit. And He bears it through me. But it all goes back to this word. Otherwise, He would have just saved Chris and just taken me home. But He left me here to bear fruit. He left me here to invest in the lives of others, to show Him off in the lives of others. And that's our choice. But it all goes back again to a true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It all goes back to God's Word. And if we're living according to God's Word, if we're feeding ourselves God's Word, hear me, it will bear fruit. It will produce productivity and usefulness in us. Why? Because we're equipped. We're ready. God will make sure He brings people to you that are going to be ministered to out of the overflow of your relationship. No different than if you had an employee, you would, you would bring the customer to the employee. He's equipped. Hey, go at it. God will make sure that He brings people into your life that are going to receive the overflow of your life. But the only way to avoid being useless and unfruitful, what? It says if these qualities are increasing... Not, not, hey, I, I studied real hard back in high school and now I'm just going to coast through my adult years. Not, I had a good year a couple years ago and I'm still basking in the glow of, of all that study and all that time. Oh, I went to seminary years ago. Okay. Are they increasing? Is your knowledge of God increasing? And there's no other way around it. That's what Peter says. You're going to be useless and unfruitful unless these things are increasing. So I ask you, in 2013, did your knowledge of God's Word increase? Because of your own personal study, not, not by coming here on Sunday mornings, not by, not by just you know common grace, did your knowledge and intimacy with the Lord increase in 2013? Because of your walking with the Lord. And look at verse 9. I, I, this, this so oftentimes describes us, unfortunately. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. He says, if this doesn't categorize you, you're blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Wouldn't you admit that sometimes we tend to forget who we were? We tend to forget who we were and what it was like to not have Christ in our life. We forget what it was like to not be saved, to have a hope and a future. To know that we're loved unconditionally, that no matter what. And, and Peter is saying, don't forget. How do you not forget? By staying in the Word, because it reminds me. The Word reminds me time and time and time again of who I was, not only who I was, but now who am I in Christ. It reminds me. And what does that do? That wells up gratitude in me. That overflows in gratefulness. 
that overflows in love, not only for our Lord, but for others. It, it makes me want to study more. Why? Because I begin to be used. And I begin to have enough, not only in me, but it begins to overflow out of me into the lives of others. And then I see others li- other people's lives getting impacted by my life. And what does that do? That motivates me to go back and learn more. And that's how it works. It's like these fountains. You've seen it where these glasses are all piled up. You fill up the top glass, and guess what? When, you, when, the over, when the top glass overflows, what does it do? It flows into the other glasses. And eventually, those glasses fill up, and they flow into other glasses. And they fill up, and they flow. But it starts with what? It starts with God filling me up. Before I can pour my life into other people's lives, He's got to fill me up. Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of God has to first richly dwell in me. And again, if you just filled that glass up to the top and turned off the spigot, the other glasses don't get filled up. They're continually increasing. Then they get the overflow. It's a continual overflow. The second you turn the, the, second you turn the source off, the second you kink the hose, everyone else around you suffers. And, and here's the thing that God is teaching me. Not only does my own life suffer from a neglect of God's Word, the lives of those around me suffer when I neglect God's Word. Karen suffers when I neglect God's Word. My kids suffer when I neglect God's Word. The, the extended family around me suffer when I neglect... Why? Because it, they get Chris and not Christ. What they experience is fleshly Chris instead of a, the wonderful, glorious Savior that we have living in me. And that's what Peter is saying. Don't forget who you were. Don't forget who lives in you. And, and, and again, why, why would we waste a year? The question becomes, why would we waste a year of walking with the Savior? Why, why would we waste that? What, what value? I mean, you think about the prodigal. Think, think, think about Luke 16 and the prodigal. Luke 15, 16 there with the prodigal. Think about the, 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 the day after he's run home and his father has welcomed him. And he wakes up in clean sheets. There are people there. He, he has food on the table. What do you think he thought about that last year or so that he wasted? You think it was worth it? You think he enjoyed it? You think he thought, man, I'd do that again. Why, why would we... Same thing I ask us. Why... We have been given the grace of walking with our Lord, of bearing fruit, of being used by the King of kings and Lord of lords. Why would we waste that? And I pray that we would value, I pray that we would value what we have in Christ. And that's what he's saying. Don't forget, don't forget the relationship that you now have through faith with Jesus Christ. Don't forget who you were, lost in your sins, destined to die because of the penalty of your sins, and now you have life everlasting. Where there was death, there's life. He says, go live for that. Go live that out. Verse 10, Therefore, be all the more diligent. You see the diligent? We don't earn our salvation. We're living out of an overflow of being saved. Be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling, His calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And again, this verse has been abused, 
But what Paul is, what Peter is saying is, he's saying, you get in God's word, you study God's word, you stay in church, you stay in the fellowship of believers, you, you link yourself arm in arm with other people who love the Lord, and that prevents you from stumbling. That's what he's saying there. You won't stumble. Why? Because there's a group of people around you that will prevent you from stumbling. There will be brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we have Tuesday Bible studies and Thursday nights now. We're offering that for the ladies and, and the, the men and this and that. Wednesday nights. Why? Because we don't want anybody to stumble. We want them to have a sure foundation. We want all of us to stick to the truth, to not wonder from the truth. Look, look at 2 Peter 1, uh, 1.19. He says, So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns. What's he saying? God's word keeps you from stumbling. Just like what it says in the Psalms, your word is a lamp to my feet and what? A light to my path. We're going camping here in a couple days. We made sure we have some flashlight and some lanterns. Why? Because we don't want to stumble when it's dark. God's word is like a lamp to your feet to keep you from stumbling, to show you where the pitfalls are, to avoid the pitfalls. 2 Peter 3.17, he says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory. Grow. Same thing he says in verse 11. For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior will be abundantly supplied to you. If you grow. Grow. In 1 John he says, and we've seen it in 2, chapter 2, he says, I pray that you will not be ashamed at his return. I pray that when he returns, he'll find you faithful. Because when your parents come home and you've been doing what they told you to do, you can't wait for them to come in. Their appearance is abundantly supplied. You can't wait for them to come in. But if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's not a fun time. That's what Peter is saying. Be found faithful. So, so again, before we close, let's get real practical. How much of God's Word did you learn in 2013? How much did you grow in a knowledge of God's Word in the twenty in year 2013? How much of this are you living out? What attitudes did God reveal to you this year that you were holding on to that you needed to let go of because they didn't align with the Word of God? What maybe choices were you making? What maybe, what maybe were some patterns of your life? Any, 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 as you look back, do you see God working? Do you see God conforming you to the image of His Son in 2013? What about values? What about values? Are there any values of this world that you let go of under a conviction of the Word of God and you grabbed hold of God's values in 2013? Serving the poor? Serving the orphan and widow? This is something, something God... I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me, and I, misery loves company, like I said, so we'll pass it on. When's the last time you did something for somebody else that they could never repay you for? When's the last time you did something for somebody else that that person doesn't even know you're the one that did it? 
And I tell you this not to be, I don't, I, just to encourage you and challenge you. Karen and I had the opportunity to do that with some gift cards. We, 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 we received some gift cards and, and uh, you know, Karen sometimes at Publix will get these things and, and we're like, let's just pass them on. It's not that we don't need them, but we, we want to be a blessing. We want to trust. God has abundantly supplied for us. But, but we want to, and we say, hey, let's do it in a way that nobody even knows we did it. Don't put a lot of fanfare behind it. Just get it to them. They don't even know you did it. Can, can you see that in the year 2013? Are there ways that your life has conformed to the image of, image of His Word and the image of Christ in 2013? Can you see that? I hope you do. And I hope you don't walk out of here feeling beat up as much as you feel challenged. I, I want to challenge us to never be satisfied. We have a Savior who loves us at the expense of His own life. Whatever that costs us, it's worth it. Whatever it costs us, He's worthy. Hear me. I pray that you will leave here challenged, not beat up. Challenge. I promise you, if you will dive into this word, it will bear fruit, and that will make you want to dive into this word more and more. Your appetite for this word will grow to the point where you can't help yourself. You've got to get in it more and more, and that's the point. It's increasing. And the good news is this. If you don't like the grade that you would give yourself in 2013... In God's grace, He's offering you today. And by His grace, may He offer you tomorrow. And by His grace, may He offer you the next day. That's His grace. Grow. Start today. Some of these things you may say, I need to start. Start today. Start today. Repent. Start today. And I pray that we as a church would grow in 2014 together. I pray that individually we would grow together. That's my heart. That every year we can say that we grew. Not, in, not necessarily in numbers and all that stuff. In maturity. Spiritual maturity. That we as a church today look more like Christ than we did in 2013. And I pray that individually for your life as well. That these qualities would be ours and they would be increasing. That we would be neither useless nor unfruitful, that we would not lack these qualities and, and forget that we have been purified from our sins.